Welcome to Grad School, the Bruce Gradkowski Podcast. Up in your football knowledge, class is now in session. You just wrapped up week one. What a weekend and what playmaking and good football games there were. It's just exciting the NFL's back. It was awesome to watch some of those games, especially Aaron Rodgers. Gosh, that dude is a freak. Man, I wish I could just see what it feels like to throw the ball like he does. I mean, coming back uh, from that knee injury, I was, man, I was praying. I was like, man, I don't want him to be out for the year, and we'll see how the rest of the year uh, turns out. But the toughness the guy showed, and he comes back, finishes the game 20-30, 286 yards, three touchdowns, 130 passer rating. The guy's just magnificent. I mean, some of the plays he ran – the thing I love about it, though, is quarterbacks love the no-huddle offense. So when he comes back in the game and he's down 20 to nothing, someone's like, what was your thoughts? And he said, I thought seven times three. So he knew he had to score three times if the, if Green Bay could just hold him. But the man did more than that. The guy was just <clears throat> impressive to watch. And... um you know, but two-minute offenses, quarterbacks love to run, and it's almost like you just have the freedom. I know he's out there calling his plays, hand signaling, but he understands he has a heightened awareness that he has to get the ball out of his hands uh, because he can't really move. And the guy's athleticism is like none other as well. So it was just cool to watch, and people can argue all they want, but he's the best. He's the best player we've ever seen. Best quarterback we've ever seen play. It's hands down. It's got to be. I mean, I know Brady has those Super Bowls, and um, you know, but Brady and Belichick are together, and, and we're just talking about ability wise. I mean, Rodgers, there's no one ability wise uh, that can match him, and that's why it's so fun to watch. And you know, I, I have uh, some of my top five quarterbacks from the weekend. Of course, Aaron Rodgers was number one. I mean, with with the knee injury and all that, um, I go Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick, he threw for uh, he was twenty one of twenty eight, seventy five percent, four hundred seventeen yards and four touchdowns. The biggest stat with Fitzpatrick is zero interceptions. That's what's awesome to see. Fitzpatrick's a gunslinger. He's smart. He understands offenses, defenses. Puts his team in right situations. I mean, look, if this guy comes out and has another strong performance, I don't see Jameis Winston coming back anytime soon. Get you know, just get the water bottles chilled out on some ice for my man Fitzpatrick if he keeps playing this way. Um, Patrick Mahomes, I think with Kansas City, Kansas City's fun to watch because all the weapons they have, and I'm telling you. I'm telling you what, Tyreek Hill is something else. The guy had a highlight tape in the first quarter that most players won't have all season. He was just, you know, amazing to just to just watch. Mahomes, though, with with a strong performance, I just think overall, I mean, he threw for 256 yards, four touchdowns. Now with him, don't don't let that fool you. I mean, Andy Reid's a smart guy. So Andy Reid knows, look, I just trade away Alex Smith who's one of the best veteran quarterbacks out there, smart, takes care of the football. The last thing I want to do is put up a bad performance for Mahomes in his first outing. So what's Andy Reid do down by the goal line? He has a couple shovel passes in to Tyreek Hill. 
just get that man the rock and he's going to find a way to score. But, you know, in those shovel passes, even if it's just a shovel pass right in front of you, that counts as a touchdown. So even if it's in the backfield, if the quarterback catches it and flips it right in front of him, that still counts as a pass. So both of those were touchdown passes. But I just think Mahomes was pretty special. They'll face the Steelers this weekend, which I think will be a good test for Kansas City. It's definitely going to be a good test for Pittsburgh, and they have to play a lot better than they did in Cleveland. And I'll get into that more with Aditi Kinkwabala coming on the show again. And, you know, we'll talk about that, but the Steelers have to play better. Um, and we're going to go with my man Sam Darnold. You know, I was on a radio station in New York the other day before Darnold's game, and, you know, I was hyping him up. I'm a big fan of Darnold's because he has the it factor. I think he's just a playmaker. He understands the game. He's smart. He has the intangibles. He's tough. And when this guy's under center, I always feel like you have a chance. So I'm saying this all on the on the New York radio. And next thing you know, Darnold starts off the game with an interception, probably making the worst decision he's probably ever made in his football career, scrambling right and throwing totally across your body, across all the way across the field, gets intercepted, returned for a touchdown, and everyone's probably like, oh, shit, what's this guy going to be like? But the guy came back, and the biggest thing coaches want to see is how you respond in situations like that. And Darnold was 16 of 21, 198 yards, two touchdowns, an interception. But the guy was just good to watch. He came back strong, and I think with the adversity of throwing that interception, you know, the first play, honestly, he probably got the jitters out. He threw that interception. The, you know, the pressure was off him now. And he just went out and could play, and um, that's what was cool to see. Because I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of him. But it's a team sport. This is the the best team sport in the world. Football. I mean, you got to work together. Uh, if you don't have a playmakers around you, a good offensive line, running game, good defense. I mean, a quarterback. It's going to be tough. I mean, unless you're Aaron Rodgers, of course. Um, but I thought that was impressive. And then, I mean, I look at other quarterbacks that played well. You know, I feel bad for Phillip Rivers. He continues to fight back, throws for just a ton of yards all the time, 424 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, but they lost. Puts his team in position. His field goal kicker misses it. Uh, that would have put him down one score with under two minutes remaining, uh, but they had no chance. Kirk Cousins, a solid outing. Um Andrew Luck, you know, Andrew Luck, it's so good to see him back out there slinging it. Man, they did not start off slow with him, throwing it 53 times. He he was 39 of 53, 73% for 319 yards, two touchdowns and interception. That was just cool to see, man. I, I remember my first start was in the Superdome. I'm starting for John Gruden. We'll get to his game in a little bit. I'm sorry for John Gruden. We're going to play Drew Brees and the Saints. So first drive of the game, but we go right down the field. I hit Joey Galloway on what's called a bench route. It's an 18 to 20 yard, basically corner route. And uh, 18, 20 yard, basically out route. Hit him in the end zone, boom, touchdown. We start fast. Well, I played pretty solid. You know, I threw for probably about like 220 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. But my man Reggie Bush had to ruin my first outing. He returned a punt, and that just that just ruined it. So we're down, 
I think four, uh, three or four with with under with you know a few couple minutes remaining. I hit Ike Hilliard on a rub route down to like the two or three yard line. Joey Galloway got flagged for a pick call. He came in just stood there like a basketball pick. It got called back, but. That was my first outing. So I love watching rookies play well, but more importantly than playing well, I, I like seeing them win the football game because playing the quarterback position, you really don't care how you play. You just, you know, you just want to win at the end of the day. And, and that that's really it. I mean, I look at Joe Flacco in Baltimore, 25 of 34, 73 uh, percent, 236 yards, three touchdowns. Flacco. And those Ravens, I don't know if these are the Ravens of the past, the Super Bowl Ravens, that my brother was on that team and won a Super Bowl, and I still don't have a Super Bowl. I don't know if they're back. I don't know if the Ravens are the Ravens or what. That division is going to be tough with the Ravens, Browns, Bengals, and Steelers. And the <laughs> Browns and Steelers are even right now with a tie, 0-0-1. Uh, but I'd say Flacco, man. Flacco and Alex Smith. They were tied for my number fifth because Alex Smith is just plays a good, solid game. The guy's trustworthy. He makes plays, goes out there 21 to 30, 70%, 255 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, just a solid game. Um, you know, other, you know, and then last night I get to watch the Raiders and the Rams. And you know what? I actually picked the Rams to win this game, and I never want to go against my Raiders. But I had to. I just think the Rams are too good. I mean, really, they're just too good. And and um, with that front seven they have, I mean, honestly, their whole defense. And then uh, Sean McVay is the best play caller in the league. Him and Kyle Shanahan are unbelievable. And then, you know, Sean McVay used to coach for Gruden, so it was like kind of a um, – it was pretty pretty cool to see them two go up against each other, and I sure I bet that meant a lot for McVay to beat his his uh, old coach. Derek Carr though, twenty nine of forty, three hundred three yards, three interceptions. That's not going to be a fun meeting today for Derek Carr and Jock Gruden. Uh, Goff, eighteen thirty three, two hundred thirty three yards, two touchdowns. Gurley, twenty yards or twenty attempts, one hundred eight yards. Gurley started off slow, but they got him going. And Money Lynch started off fast and then slowed down at the old age he's at. 41 yards, one touchdown. But Gurley was impressive. I mean, they both were. Lynch runs the ball hard. And it's uh, fun to watch, especially as he continues to get older and he's still doing it at a high level, which is cool to see. But some of the stats I look at, I mean, it's hard to believe, but the Raiders were actually pretty good on third down. 45% 45% on third down. The Rams were 36%. You could win a lot of games if you're going to be 45% on third down. You just can't turn the ball over and have three interceptions. But um, it's just good football's back. You know, this week I'll be on NFL radio co-hosting the show on Thursday. A lot of other good stuff going on. I will be calling the University of Toledo Miami football game on Saturday. This show is brought to you by Social Gastro Pub in Toledo, Ohio, and Pilgrimage Hospice in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Thank you guys for always tuning in, and let's talk some more ball with Aditi Kinkwabala. Well, we're back. What a great weekend. And, of course, 
I gotta have a DD Kinkwabala back on with me because you're just you're just too much. Always good <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing when you say too much, but okay. <laughs> well, of course, like all the hype around the Steelers and Le'Veon Bell, and then they go into Cleveland, and and to me, I watch that game, and I'm like, you know what? This was, um, I would say that's a win for the Browns to leave with a tie, and for the Steelers to leave for a tie, that's actually like a loss. What do you think? Uh, I think that I would say it the other way around. Really? And here's why. Not yeah. in attitude. Not in attitude at all, because the Steelers 100% are treating it like a loss. In fact, yesterday I was in the locker room with Cam Hayward, and I was saying, no one wants to talk. And Cam said, no one wants to talk after a loss. And I said, well, actually, you didn't lose. And he said, you don't play the game to, you play the game to win. You don't play the game to tie. <laughs> so the Steelers definitely say it feels like a loss. They're treating it like a loss. But the Steelers committed six turnovers. When in the NFL, let me ask you, when in the NFL does a team commit six turnovers and win a game? So I feel like the Steelers escaped with a tie. On the flip side of that, the Browns, how do you not win a game with six, when the other team commits six turnovers? <laughs> right. Like, how do you not? How, seriously, how do you not? Getting out of that game with a tie is absolutely a loss. I mean, you're at home. You have a frenzied crowd behind you. The other quarterback is clearly completely out of sync in a variety of different ways, although I know you've broken down all five turnovers and all five are not actually on him, his five. But still, I mean, it was not a good day for the Steelers' offense by any means. And how do you at home not win a game where the other team commits six turnovers? You're absolutely right. You're right. And that's what I was kind of, I was going back and forth on because I was like, you know what, how is, is, are the Steelers that good where they can commit six turnovers and still almost win a game? Or are the Browns that bad that they have six turnovers and can't win? I mean, it's funny because when Demarius Randall was walking off the field, and I don't remember what teammate he was with, but I was walking right by him and the Browns DB and Randall was talking to a teammate and he says, he thought it was five. He didn't realize it was six. He was like, five turnovers and we get a tie? Right. Like, literally, he was right. stunned. How can that happen? How can... So, it's funny you say that because, look, that game was kind of lost on quarterback play on both sides. But was it really bad quarterback play or was it great defenses? Because I'll tell you this, Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward for the Browns are absolutely the real thing. And when I watched Miles Garrett in the fourth quarter force those two fumbles. It made me think of being a little kid watching LT put the Giants on his back and wreck an entire game. I mean, Miles Garrett is just a force. So that defense certainly gets credit for that. In fact, Mike Tomlin today said if weather was a factor in our turning over the ball six times, then why wasn't that same weather a factor for the Browns? Yeah, the thing I love. So about- you have to give credit. You have to give credit to the Browns' defense for playing the way that it did. But meanwhile, I turn around and look at what the Steelers' defense did: sacking Taylor seven times. Right. And a lot of that were coverage sacks. I mean, he didn't have anybody to throw to. Terod Taylor is taking a lot of heat in Cleveland for holding on to the ball too long. But you need somebody to throw the ball to. And I took a couple. And if videos. the receivers are. Cu- yeah. Oh, you did. Okay. Uh, of that. And what do you see? Well, of that, because, you know, you make a good point. I mean, he's holding the ball, but yet the Steelers have everything covered downfield. And I go back and forth because we're hearing 
rumblings about, oh, play Baker. We want to see Baker Mayfield. But then you look at the drops by the tight end. I mean, you can't. You right. can't I mean, it was a huge. I counted third. at least five drops in that game. I mean, there were two key third down drops. Exactly. It's and third just, down and 10. That tight end. Right. You, you got to make that catch. I mean, uh, Taylor put it right on his face yep. mask and he drops it. And that keeps yep. the drive alive. Right. Right. And that's key. When you have a drop in third down, I mean, it totally, completely changes the complexion of the game right there. And I'm just. I don't know. I mean, but that kid's been plagued by this for two years now. He looks. David Njoku looks like he was built in a lab. He's got the perfect physique, and he's had trouble catching the ball. If you watch Hard Knocks, that was an issue, and that was so funny too because he was dropping balls in practice, and they said, "Okay, Njoku has to catch 30 balls on the jugs machine after practice." And you see GM John Dorsey watching him catch those 30 balls. Every single day, how many balls do you think Antonio Brown catches on the jugs machine? Oh, 100, at least. <laughs> at least. And that's after not dropping a single one in practice. Right. Well, I mean, guys, you guys just have to understand. I mean, it, it just really frustrates me when I see guys continue to get opportunities just because they have the size and speed and the look where, you know what, catch the ball. I mean, it's third down yeah. and 10. And people that I know text me and say, oh, Jesse James stinks. Um, you know, he doesn't do anything special. But you know what? Ben hit him on a huge uh, conversion late in that football game, set him up for the field goal, and Boswell just misses the the, the field goal. And, and look, with all the turnovers, and I know, you know, people even saying, oh, has Ben lost it and this and that. You still always have a chance when Ben's in the game. And that's that's where I honestly think about Baker Mayfield that I've I watched him in the preseason and there's third downs that no one was open but he like has the poise enough to stand in there and move around a little where someone buys time and gets open and that's kind of what Ben does but now on the flip side sometimes that hurts you as we saw some of those sack fumbles well yeah because and that's sort of you know I I entered the league covering Eli Manning and one of the things about Eli Manning is that He's smart enough to know when to throw the ball away and live to see another down or live to see another series. And Ben has been very unapologetic that that's not who he is. He believes that there's always a chance. He's never going to just take the sack and cover and protect the football. He's never just going to throw the ball away. He's always going to try to make something out of what seemingly nothing. But I want to go back to something that you said that interception that Ben Roethlisberger threw to Antonio Brown, yeah. where Antonio cut left, Ben clearly threw it right, and the DB tracked the ball. Not he did not stay with the receiver, and that was a pick. What that that will go under Ben's stat line as interception, Ben Roethlisberger. But what happened there? Did Antonio run the wrong route? Did they have a miscommunication? Yeah, and, and and after we talked about that a little bit, I had to go back and watch it again. And I watched the coach's version so I could see the whole field. And it looks like A.B.'s running a post route. Now, he takes it a little too flat, and Ben, okay. thro- ben throws it high. Now, as a receiver, you always want to keep routes high because if a quarterback throws it flat, you can adjust way easier than if you keep the route flat and the quarterback throws it high, it's harder to adjust high. But when I say that, and I watched this, on that play, there was one safety, one deep single high safety. In my mind, you don't throw that football. 
You know, and I know AB is special and AB is AB and Ben was giving him a chance. But when I watched that, I was like, oh, I was like, Ben. Why? Why Why do you not throw it? Because, well, I was just like, Ben, you're better than that. Because, it, you know, when Ben let the football go, it was too hard to tell which way AB was going to go. And also, there was still that deep middle safety. So it wasn't like there was one guy running with AB and it was like man to man. It was like one guy deep in a zone. So in that instance, the guy's just watching Ben and Ben just you know, laid it, laid it out. There's trying to trust AB and look, and you said it, there was a miscommunication on that play. So AB was, they were just off. But then what I saw also was, you know what, if you don't feel comfortable with that and you're unsure and there is that single high safety back there, just come down to your check down or go through your progression, you know? And I think those are some of the plays that first time out, first week of the season, Ben's trying to get his offense going and moving and he just forces it a little too much. Okay, so then what about that? Do you feel, I, I mean, these two guys didn't play together at all in the preseason. Ben had, what, two series in the preseason. Right. Antonio had none. Do you feel like any of Ben's rustiness, let's call it, is due to the fact that he barely plays in the preseason? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's just hard to get get going quick. I mean, we, you, I mean there's a ton of practices throughout um, training camp but the game action regular season is a lot different and Ben's been playing a long time so I don't think he needs a ton of reps but sometimes it's just hard I mean you have to get into the rhythm of, of a game and um, and sometimes it doesn't take long I mean hey look maybe we're lucky maybe Steeler fans are lucky Ben came out with three interceptions played pretty bad um, and he would say that too I mean I know he's not happy with his performance but maybe it's better because remember with Jacksonville, it took how many weeks? And then after that Jacksonville game, he started playing pretty well for a long time. So maybe he got out of his system early. Right. I mean, maybe. I just, I mean, I think this whole thing, and I sort of ranted a little bit about this yesterday. We don't know. It's so easy for us to moan about play calls. But the same run call that you're – whining about right now two series before might have gone for 12 yards just this time around the lineman let's say lost his footing a little bit or you complain about the receiver's interception or you complain about the quarterback's interception excuse me but you don't know if the quarterback actually didn't throw it deep enough or if he was trying to aim for the back shoulder and the wide receiver didn't run the route correctly Right. didn't have the proper technique and where he was. You you know, like it's so easy for us to kind of lay the blame on certain feet, on the offensive coordinator, on the quarterback, but you don't necessarily know the whole picture. And maybe the question needs to be what happened on that play instead of just that was a really bad play. Right. But sometimes a bad play is just a bad play. And I know, I mean, I heard on the radio earlier today in Pittsburgh someone, a radio host, blame James Conner's fumble for the Steelers' loss. Now, the Steelers had four more possessions in regulation after that. Even James Conner's fumble, although Carlos Hyde did score a play later, that's still, the Steelers still had a lead there at 21-14. And yes, James Conner could have put a second hand over the ball. What he did is he had the ball in his right hand and he used his left hand to kind of try to push Miles Garrett away to sort of try to Heisman Miles Garrett. But Miles Garrett, who's a beast, made a play. 
I mean, okay, so in theory, yes. Could James, should James Conner have put both hands over the ball running through traffic? Yes, he should have. High and tight, two hands on the ball. He didn't. So, okay, he's partly at fault. But also, can we give credit to Miles Garrett, who made an unbelievably heads-up play to punch the ball out? I mean, he both wrapped up Connor and had the consciousness of mind to also punch the ball at the same time. Well, you said it. The guy took over the game, you know. And, yeah. and I mean, we saw by from Khalil Mack, but I want to uh, get back to your point because you, you made a really good point. I saw that on Twitter about uh, – because that's why football is such a team sport, you know, because you could have mm-hmm. ran the same run play and it went for 12 yards, but this time it got, you know, a loss of four or maybe Connor fumbled on that one. It was the same exact one. And people are like, why'd you call that play? So I agree with you because it is such a team sport. And even on, like I watched Ben's interceptions and the one I I really fault him on was the one he threw into like, it looked like triple triple, coverage. It looked like at the end, you know, but AB was working it. He was working his route, came out of it. It was, it was basically a scramble drill and he was going out towards the sideline and Ben threw it. And the cornerback came off of the running back and came in the picture to, to intercept it. Now, the other two, to Jesse James, he's throwing his hot route. He he is hot. There's too many people blitzing and not enough guys blocking. So he did the right play, the right time, threw it to the right shoulder because you have, when it's a zone blitz, where guys are blitzing from, there's always a defender trying to go to that area to replace them. And you're always right. taught to kind of put it on the back shoulder. And Jesse James looked hot. It was the right play. I mean, weather was a factor and just slipped right through Jesse James's hands. She- See, and you know what? And this, this takes me back to there was the year before the Giants won their last Super Bowl. Eli Manning threw 25 interceptions. Yeah. So I got the all 22. I got the coach's tape. And I looked at every single one of Eli's 25 interceptions. And I, th- I can't remember exactly, but it was more than half either 14 or 15, were absolutely on the other guy. Like there was one in the end zone where Hakeem Nix just stopped running. Like he didn't complete his route. Yeah. I remember there was one. The Giants had a receiver, Ramsey's Barden. Ramsey's Barden was six foot six. Eli Manning threw a ball where nobody else could catch it, but his six foot six receiver and the six foot six receiver lets it go off his hands right. and then the ball gets picked. How is that Eli Manning's fault? Right. He threw it where nobody could catch it but the receiver and the receiver can't bring it in and it gets tipped. And that goes to the you know, you, you and I were talking about earlier today about Ben's first fumble. And you said, Well, it's actually not a good snap. And you look at it, it was a bad snap. I mean that's and then Miles Garrett all of a sudden comes out like a rocket. Right from the blind side and is able to poke the ball loose because See, he has Ben doesn't have enough time to properly secure the ball because it, he had to corral it. Right. I mean, and then on that but, one, Ben has a decision to make that he can either hand it off or throw it like those RPOs. Everyone talks about the run right. pass option. And when you get a bad snap, now the timing of the play is off. So Ben probably felt like it was too, too late to hand it to the running back. So he tries to throw it, but yet the, the linemen, the offensive linemen, are blocking the run. They're not blocking for a pass. So, you, right. you, you know, you can't just take take your time um, to, th- you know, and he tried speeding it up, but you, you, you just said it. I mean, it, there's so many things that play into it, but you're making me hungry. What are you, heating up like a Hot Pocket or? <laughs> you can hear everything. <laughs> I'm heating up. Well, I haven't had time to have lunch. Do it's you, been crazy here. Do you remember um, the we Hot Pocket? We went home pockets, to New Jersey. Though? 
I do, but I don't. We went home to New Jersey, so my mom gave me a bunch of Indian food to put in my freezer. Oh, my wife. It's one of my loves, failings. I never learned how to cook any of that, but oh, or didn't learn how to cook enough of it. You need to. My wife. I'm trying to multitask. That's her favorite is Indian food. <laughs> really? She loves it. Yep, we get it. We get it a lot. The tikka masala, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness, Bruce! I'm learning something awesome. What about the kids? Do you feed it to any of the kids? Oh yeah, yeah. They eat, they love it too. We just try not to get it too spicy when we get it with the kids. Right, right. And I'm I'm a pizza. If there's pizza around, I can never turn it down. Well, aren't you? Don't you? Don't you make pizza? No, I mean not. You know, my restaurant. Wait, what do you? Don't you have a restaurant? Yeah, I've I've uh, a restaurant in Toledo called Social. And but um, there's no pizza. No, we don't make pizza there. We have good burgers. Our salmon's probably the best seller, like our just salmon entree, but also our Baja fish tacos, which is salmon. So those are so my... So are you a foodie? Are you like, is that why you got into the restaurant business? Or was it just sort of a convenient thing to do, like an interesting business model? Well, that's what everyone says. It's like uh, athletes always get into restaurants, and it's like the worst business to get into. <laughs> but... <laughs> I just love, I mean, all the cities I've lived in from San Francisco, uh, Cincinnati, growing up in Pittsburgh, you know, you just eat at so many cool, like, like just a cool vibe. And I was always about like the vibe and the atmosphere and the energy, but mixed with good food. And so I always wanted a good restaurant and not, I don't want sports bars. I want legit good food. And that's what we, right. so that's what we try to do. I mean, you have to. You have to come up. We'll shoot the podcast live Seriously. at the restaurant one time, you know? From Toledo? How far is Toledo from Pittsburgh? Uh, three and a half hours. Can you open a restaurant in Pittsburgh? Could you do that? You sound like my mom. She's telling me all the time <laughs> you do that. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad if I sound like your mom, but... <laughs> no, she's, she's just always... She's always like, just, you know, you should open her, I'll run it, open her. And I was like, yeah, my dad will be giving free food away to everyone. <laughs> your mom will crack the whip. I mean, your mom had to ride herd over four kids. I'm sure she knows how to handle all that. You're right. She definitely would. And, Keep and, them straight. And then I have a hospice. Well, Ben's in the restaurant business too, right? We went, yeah. We've went. we been to Kewa Island twice. And uh, where we stay, there's a restaurant across the street that apparently he's an investor in. Yeah. And he's bringing the one downtown. Seven, right? Oh, really? It's gonna oh, be I don't know. Right on, Right in the North Shore. Um, well, it'll be interesting. Then this is a story for another day. But if the stadium stays there, yeah. the, the naming rights are up soon and the stadium lease is up soon. So now do you know, so they're, they're playing the Chiefs uh, this weekend. Do you know Kareem Hunt is a Toledo guy? Went to the University of Toledo? No. Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. He, um, How he about is. that? But I just, I had a chance to watch those guys on the plane. I called the Utah State, New Mexico State last weekend. And I'm flying home, keeping up with the Steeler game. But I, I had the Chiefs-Chargers game on. So I, ha I had a chance to watch that. And I just tell you, that, that offense is electrifying. And what Andy Reid, he's like the mad scientist behind it. But you have a young gunslinger in Patrick Mahomes who just slings it. I wish I could feel what that feels like to throw it that way. And then Tyree kills like playing a video game. A video game. <laughs> you, you see how that guy He moves? is. He, yeah. I mean, that's exactly what he is. And that's what Mike Tomlin was cut. I mean, he used just about every adjective today to describe him. Yeah. Do you think... When I mean, he's think about going, as dynamic and electrifying a player as there is in the league. 
What do you think about that next week? I mean, the Steelers have to play significantly better. The Steelers have had a lot of success against the Chiefs. Um, but you don't have James Harrison to go Derek Fisher into a key holding penalty. Um, so I don't know. I mean, the, the Chiefs are a very, very good team, and that's a quarterback who clearly, I mean, you watch, you watch what Andy Reid is doing with him and letting him do. It's a big game. It's a big game. I'm excited. Will you be, will you, where will you be? Are you calling uh, another game this weekend? Yeah, Toledo plays Miami, oh. the Hurricanes. Down in Miami? No, in Toledo, actually. Oh, how did they get Miami to come to Toledo? Last year they went there, and Miami agreed Uh on a a trade. Well, how about that? So then will you come on Sunday to the the Steelers-Chiefs game? I'll just probably tune in. I'll be watching it. Um, All right. Are your kids football fans? Not really. They're 5-3-1, so they're not, you know. Roman, I caught – Roman's our three-year-old. The one night. It was funny. This is the first time it happened. I'm in the kitchen, probably like fixing a snack before bed. And he's sitting there in one of the preseason games we're on. And he's just staring at the TV, watching plays. And I'm like, I'm like, yes, yes. Like he's watching it. Like, you know, it seemed like he was into it. So I sat down for, with him for a little bit and we're watching it. And I'm trying to explain to him like what positions, what. And of course I already started with, Hey Rome, you know Daddy used to play this position right here. <laughs> so, and then we're watching it. And next thing you know, Miranda yells down. She was giving Lily and Lincoln a bath. Lincoln's our one-year-old, and she goes, "They start screaming, Lily and my wife." And I'm like, "What are they screaming about?" And Lily starts yelling, "Daddy, Daddy, come up here!" And I'm like, "What happened? Lincoln pooped in the bathtub." <laughs> And not only that, though, so Miranda, Miranda's watching Lily, washing Lily's hair, and she goes to dump water on her hair to rinse oh, it off. Oh, no. Yes. Oh, no. There's a turd oh, in the cup, <laughs> and she dumps it right on her head. <laughs> so my night of football with Roman got cut short because I, I had to take Lily and wash the poop out of her head. Oh, my God. <laughs> So just, this is terrible. We've lost every single listener at this point, Bruce. Yeah. So just wait. <laughs> but then again, every parent is familiar with a story like this. Oh, so. <laughs> oh for sure. Well, just wait until you, until you have more. Your little guy keeps uh, does something like that because he's at, he's at the fun stage. He's just right around Roman's yeah. age, a little younger. Yeah. He's he's a trip, but fortunately we have not had one of those incidences <laughs> since he was a baby. I will say that. No, we're, Although we're struggling with something right now. Matt taught him to pee in the shower. So every time he gets in the shower, the first thing he does is pee. And it's so disgusting. <laughs> and he gets so excited. And I mean, he's potty trained, basically. So yeah. he knows he's supposed to pee in the potty. But except for the shower, he pees in the shower. So That's- disgusting. That's awesome. Hey, boys will be boys. It never stops. (laughs) I guess. Anyway, all right. Well, we'll have to do this again next week.